Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in the podcast studio, James Morale, who serves as the Director of Prevention and Outreach for Hopeful Horizons in Beaufort County, and Hannah Stewart, who is the Primary Prevention and Specialized Advocacy Coordinator at the South Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. So welcome both of you to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Great to have you here. So um, just so our listeners know, this is the first in a series of podcasts uh, that are relating to domestic violence and sexual assault. And um, we are in partnership with SCADVASA, which is the acronym for the South Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault. And we'll have that link um, in our podcast page to scadvasa.org. Um, and so, actually, Hannah, why don't we start with you? If you could tell us a little bit about what you do at SCADVASA. And am I saying that right? Is it yes. SCAD? Okay, good. <laughs> and, uh, and the partnership that we have developed here at the State Library with you all. Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Curtis, for having us today. Uh, we are very fortunate to have this position at SCADVASA. Uh, really what primary prevention is doing is we look at the what is causing the problem. Mm-hmm. So when if you think about the metaphor of the babies falling down the river, there are people at the bottom of the river catching those babies. Those mm-hmm. are the those are the crisis workers. Those mm-hmm. are the people that are on the front line helping those survivors that need it. Mm-hmm. What we do as preventionists is we go to the top of the river and try to find out what is causing these babies to fall. Okay. And what in what ways can we cause it to not fall? Mm-hmm. So is that adding a gate or adding uh, methods to prevent that from happening? Okay, and um, tell us a little bit more about SCADVASA itself. Like how long has it been around and like how many people work there? Yeah, so there is about 11 of us working there. Okay, We've so it's a, a small group. It is, it's a small group. Uh, thankfully we have uh, our organizations throughout the state that do a lot of the work for us. Mm-hmm. And is it considered a state government agency? No, we're a, a statewide coalition. So okay. we do receive uh, government and state funds, okay. but we're not a, a governmental entity. Okay. And now, are you like a 501c3 nonprofit? Or? Yes, sir. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. So you're a nonprofit organization. Yes, okay. sir. Now I have it completely clear in my <laughs> brain. <laughs> okay. So um, what other kind of partnerships have you developed? throughout the state. I know oh, you yes. have probably all at the local level with, right. with all the counties. Um, our other organizations, we have um, people with a human trafficking network, uh, task force. We have SARTs, which are sexual assault response teams hmm. that are through the state. Um, we have a fantastic person that's heading those right now, Amra Marshall, mm-hmm. who heads those. And those are throughout the state. We do stuff with um, forensic nurse examiners and sane nurses. Oh wow! We uh, yeah we have our <laughs> we've got our hands a in a lot of different pots and yeah. um, we're always looking to grow those relationships. I also head up uh, the college consortium, where I work with Title IX coordinators, uh, student ac- activists, mm-hmm. and anyone that's working with student life mm-hmm. on college campuses mm-hmm. to help with prevention and um, resources for those who have been sexually assaulted on a college campus. Right, and you actually, you know, in the news, you actually hear a lot about that, and so that mm-hmm. that certainly is an issue yeah. I'm sure you all have to deal with on a yeah. regular basis. Um, so tell us a little bit about how our partnership developed, because I know there are some regional training sessions that 
we're helping you coordinate throughout the state. Yeah, of course. We um, One of the things we really are focusing on right now is a community-level prevention, mm-hmm. bringing prevention to the masses. And one of the best ways to do that is through libraries because mm-hmm. when you need information, where do you go? I go to my public library. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we are doing right now is uh, programming four regional trainings for librarians across the state in North Charleston, Greenville, Myrtle Beach, and here in Columbia, mm-hmm. where we'll be working with librarians discussing what domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking, also bullying, looks like in the library, and in what ways can they be trauma-informed, mm-hmm. and what you know resources can they have? Maybe not always directly intervening, but can they have signage in the bathroom Mm -hmm. that lets someone know who they can contact Mm -hmm. having those brochures at the front desk Mm -hmm. also what programs can they put on to have these discussions Mm -hmm. i know the richland county library has a fantastic vr simulator they came the other week for us for our uh, board meeting and had stories of survivors that we were able to watch through those and that was Mm -hmm. a fantastic asset and how can we take ideas like that and grow them throughout the state and build these partnerships between libraries, member organizations, grassroots movements, and ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of times I think people in these various situations of domestic violence or sexual abuse maybe don't know initially where to turn. And if they do think of the library, maybe they're a regular library patron. Exactly. Um, And then, you know, as long as the staff know how to direct them Mm -hmm. appropriately, then then I think that's a good partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, James, let me let me turn to you for a moment. Um, tell us about Hopeful Horizons and, and what you do there. And I also will say that James is on the uh, board of the Beaufort County Public Library, so we love hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to echo Hannah uh, and say thanks for allowing us to be here and to do this podcast. Like, so for us, you know, the work that we do, education and awareness is so important. And mm-hmm. so, like, this is just one of those other avenues for us to do that. Uh, Hope for Horizons, we are a local children's advocacy, domestic violence and rape crisis center uh, located in Beaufort. Mm-hmm. But we actually serve Beaufort, Jasper, Colleton, and Hampton counties. For okay, so a lot of the low country. Absolutely. Um, and so um, our goal is to create safer communities by uh, changing the culture of violence and offering a path to uh, healing, uh, safety, and hope for survivors of child abuse, sexual assault, and domestic violence. Uh, we do this by um, providing evidence-based practices that lead in ending abuse uh, through primary prevention and education. And we offer lots of services to uh, people who have experienced abuse. And so we have uh, an emergency shelter that houses women and children. We offer advocacy, uh, court accompaniment, and we have some legal services that we can also offer uh, our clients. We do lots of, um, you know, uh, I guess advocacy uh, as it pertains to uh, people at the point of con- crisis, uh, hospital accompaniment. Uh, and while we have all of these services, I tell people my spiel is always that uh, we're in the business to help people who have experienced these forms of violence, but we're also in the business prevent- to prevent it in the first place. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's where our prevention and outreach team comes in. Mm-hmm. And we have lots of different programs that we offer the community in many different ways uh, to educate, uh, to bring about awareness, uh, and uh, to offer uh, prevention-based programs in, in lots of different places. Okay. And while you're talking about all this, I will mention that uh, the website address is hopefulhorizons.org. 
and we will have a link to that on our podcast page. But how do you guys receive funding? How are you? Are you also a 501c3? Yeah, we are. And uh, similar to what Hannah said, we receive uh, federal, uh, state uh, funding, uh, and we also uh, receive private, lots of private donation as well, mm-hmm. which is always helpful. Yes, of course. Um, do you have so a big donate button on your page? We, we do. Actually, <laughs> there is there is a uh, there is a way uh, that people can uh, go to our page and, and donate if they want to. Uh, mm-hmm. But not only just money, but actually uh, we also take uh, items okay. um, that we receive uh, for our clients that mm-hmm. we see, and mm-hmm. uh, that's also detailed on our webpage as well. I remember one time years ago, we actually had a staff member who she had volunteered a lot at the women's shelter, and she, we actually, instead of having a food drive, we had a goods drive. So it was things like, you know, shampoo mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. toothbrushes and all the kinds of things that maybe people who are in some kind of transitionary stage would yep. really need and maybe they don't have access to. Yeah, and those kinds of things are exactly, you know, what we're looking for as well. Um, and, and, you know, not even just, you know, those items and or your money, which is certainly mm-hmm. welcome, mm-hmm. but really pre- people's time as well. You know, we're always looking to for people to donate their time, uh, mm-hmm. so to come and volunteer volunteer with us. We have lots of volunteer opportunities, uh, ways that people can uh, be involved in the work that we do, and we certainly encourage that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned that um, outreach and education are important. So how do you, do you actually offer training sessions, and how do you maybe go about educating the public to to these needs? Yeah, so for us and pretty much all of the member organizations that's a part of Scott Vasa, uh, our prevention and outreach, you know, looks like, you know, going into uh, all the places where people are at. So we try to certainly target places like schools, uh, hospitals, um, you know, churches, uh, youth organizations, um, really any places where there's people at, right? Uh, and, and that means also, you know, businesses, right? We want to mm-hmm. make sure that we target businesses, um, you know, any place where people are congregated. We just want to make sure that we are there uh, to educate and make and bring about awareness. But then our focus specifically in the schools, for example, or any youth serving organization, uh, we have a curriculum that we use uh, to as primary prevention. Uh, so for an example of that is, um, you know, we utilize, uh, you know, curriculum such as uh, the Council for uh, Young Boys and Men, Girls Circle, uh, the Men of Strength Club. Uh, these type of curriculum we uh, targets middle and high school age kids, and mm-hmm. so the idea there uh, is to be in the schools and working with the youth so that we can change the future, right, mm-hmm. and hopefully mm-hmm. prevent uh, negative things from happening. Right. Uh, so really, any place uh, that would, I always tell people if, if there's a place there's two, three, or four more or more people there, uh, we can have somebody there just to educate and bring about awareness of the issue. And uh, do you specifically do training, and do you have other staff members who do training? Yeah, um, we do. Um, uh, at Hope for Horizons, uh, you know, I always say our prevention and our scene, we're pretty blessed. Um, but we have uh, six people on staff, mm-hmm. uh, to include myself, that's seven. Um, and so we have uh, three folks uh, who are who targets the middle and high school age kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a violence prevention specialist. Okay. Uh, we have a volunteer coordinator as well uh, who's in charge of all things volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a strengthening families coordinator mm-hmm. uh, where that person uh, specifically um, is in charge of our strengthening families program and you can find more information about that on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a community educator who uh, pretty much is there to educate the community at large in 
in any way possible. And myself, you know, I'm there just to kind of offer support and fall in uh, if, you know, there needs to be somebody to take on, um, you know, some presentation that somebody else can, uh, fill in the holes and, mm-hmm. and uh, ensure that the whole program is running successfully. And when you talk specifically about training and outreach and you're trying to make sure that everyone, you know, gets gets educated about these issues, what kind of curriculum do you use? Is this something that maybe comes from a national organization or do you create it at a local level? Yeah, so for us, uh, certainly, you know, we want to always make sure that the, the work that we're doing uh, is working. And so we always seek out evidence-based programs, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of those uh, programs are national-based training programs. Uh, last year, as a matter of fact, uh, three of our staff members, um, one myself included, uh, we got a chance to travel to uh, San Francisco, actually, uh, to be trained uh, in the Coaching Boys into Men uh, program curriculum mm-hmm. uh, that's offered by Futures Without Violence. Um, mm-hmm. And so we always seek opportunities like that to uh, get our facilitators trained and educated in particular curriculum, mm-hmm. uh, evidence-based curriculum. Uh, and sometimes, you know, there's people who may call uh, who wants a specific type of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, at that case, you know, that's where we use our expertise and our experience, you know, to create something for that's tailored and specific to that particular group. Uh, the last, you know, for example, I can remember uh, somebody wanted a specific training on, you know, um, technology, right, mm-hmm. in kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some programs out there, um, none that's not necessarily nationally based, but we mm-hmm. are, you know, we're working on creating that particular uh, training uh, for that particular group to target that specific area of, uh, of, of expertise. And is there anything at the state level that you're doing with curriculum yeah. work or yeah. other than these regional training <laughs> sessions for librarians? Uh, well, we don't uh, do like a set curriculum minus our victim service providers training that we offer mm-hmm. for those who are going to be working in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do do specialized trainings uh, very often. I just did a training for ABLE South Carolina, okay. which is a fantastic organization. And, and that's, also the, that's the organization who works primarily with people with physical disabilities? Or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, sir. And uh, they are just one of the uh, one of our uh, collaborative partners. I'm going to apologize right now if I forgot to name you. We have a, oh, no. several. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did a training for their mentorship program uh, okay. with Equip. And I, I, had to, I created a training that discussed teen dating violence, sexual assault, but with the intersectionality of people with disabilities. And so finding those resources and finding all that, that's something that we try to do is mm-hmm. find those things, create something on it, and then if we were ever get a call from one of our member organizations, being able to share that. Sure, and you mentioned EQUIP. What is that? Uh, EQUIP is ABLE South Carolina's mentorship program. Oh, okay. Uh, they work with uh, teens and young adults mm-hmm. to help them become uh, independent. And that's Able SC. I think I, I think I've seen their website before. So maybe I'll try to put a link in yeah, so people can find that information too. Um, before we move to libraries, though, and how libraries can really help, um, do either of you, and maybe um, you, James, at the local level, could talk to this more? But do you have any success stories that you want to highlight? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's always success stories. Um, you know, uh, I mentioned one of the programs that we actually working called the Men of Strength Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, that particular uh, club is actually founded by a national organization called Men Can Stop Rape. 
so most clubs uh, operate, uh, I think, in about 26 states across the U.S. now. Mm-hmm. And in South Carolina, uh, we are the only organization that offer most clubs. Um, but in most clubs, uh, it targets young men, mm-hmm. uh, middle and high school age young men. And, you know, certainly I can remember uh, last school year, uh, the story from one of our violence prevention specialists who talked about a young man uh, who at the beginning of the school year, uh, because it's a year-long program, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the school year, this young man was very kind of reserved and quiet uh, to himself um, and would normally not necessarily interact with people often, um, mm-hmm. you know, very timid. Uh, through most Club, he was able to really link up and kind of create a bond with other uh, young men Um, And uh, towards the end of the school year, he mentioned to our violence prevention specialist, you know, that most club really has changed his life and Mm -hmm. allowed him to really help fight for justice and equality for those. Because for him, uh, one of his issues is is that he, as a young man himself, uh, was just kind of, you know, trying to question, you know, what it is that he likes in life, who Mm -hmm. he is, uh, just trying to define who he is. And and he felt like about the end of the school year and with the voice that most club allowed him to have, uh, that he's actually going to move into this kind of work where he's an activist himself. And so he has helped to create campaigns throughout the school and put up posters around the school about equal rights and all kinds of things and stopping violence. And so like that was really kind of one of those great success stories where we were able to uh, add another champion to help mm-hmm. us in the fight of and changing the culture of violence. So Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Do you yeah. see any success stories at the the state level? Yeah, we do. I ha- we had a uh, training back in July mm-hmm. uh, that was hosted by Justin Boardman, and it was for law enforcement. Mm. It was about being trauma-informed as a police officer, okay. as a member of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And uh, a week later, we ended up getting an email from one of the uh, law enforcement that attended, and they were working with one of our member organizations to build a, a, a room to interview victims that wasn't oh. an actual interrogation room, somewhere that was comfortable and safe and right. nurturing and not a, a, a steel table where they felt themselves that they had done something wrong. Right, I just got the picture in my brain of the bright light shown. Exactly. In, you know, it's like, yeah. So to make that victim and that survivor feel uh, protected and safe, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, that was just one of, uh, just an incredible moment for us to get that email. And we don't always see that side of it. So right. And you great. may not always hear back from someone, right. you know, uh, but like we, you're talking about the, the young boy who you've been able to see the progress mm-hmm. and sometimes people, you know, might get your services and then they just move on and yeah. all you can do is hope for the best. Right. And that kind of actually is kind of like how libraries are because someone comes in maybe to the reference desk and they ask a question and the librarian helps them with the answer, but then they go on about their life. You know, sometimes they don't come back and you know, you don't really know what, what the outcome is. And I, I'll, I'll echo um, Hannah and, and by saying, you know, even something like this right here, what we're doing with this podcast, mm-hmm. I would say is going to certainly be one of our success stories going forward because uh, in the work that we do in prevention and outreach and education on these topics, you know, uh, a huge part of what we're trying to do is always like enter new places and new spaces sure. for our voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. And so doing things like working with law enforcement is mm-hmm. huge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, being able to be on a podcast at a local library and partner with libraries is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, any other opportunity we get to be at a particular church or to get with, uh, open up, uh, have programming in a new school, like all of those things for us are success stories because we know that the 
it, the reason that these issues happen is because people aren't educated. They are not right. aware of these things. And right. so anytime we get the opportunity to just be here in different spaces and places mm-hmm. to educate and bring awareness, like that's a success story. So great. Yeah. yeah. We're in a real live, live success story right now. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that I think, um, you know, libraries are so versatile when it comes to community support because there's every subject in the library. And so, you know, this is one subject that um, is important for people who, you know, are experiencing any kind of domestic violence or sexual abuse. So how can libraries be successful partners? Yeah, so one way that they can be successful partners is partnering with their local organizations that work with people in domestic violence and sexual assault situations. Uh, Partnership is obviously something that we're very passionate about. And having those relationships, uh, attending trainings, having those conversations are so important because when a librarian is informed, then they can serve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because you can't serve without the knowledge. And so having those resources in the back of their head and giving that, and then also, you know, what what books can we put out front? What materials mm-hmm. can we put out front that are um, accessible to uh, various walks of life? Do we have literature that's not only in English but also in Spanish? Do mm-hmm. we have literature that's also in possibly Braille mm-hmm. or people that are you know either uh, visually or uh, hearing impaired? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in what ways can we serve everyone? And a lot of times what libraries do is they will do book displays. So if they do have information in their collection that they want to put out, sometimes what they'll do is like if there's a specific month, Mm -hmm. like is there, like if there's a domestic violence month or something like that, or, you know, a week, awareness week, Mm -hmm. um, then that's something that libraries can certainly pull items from their collections Mm -hmm. and put on display to the general public who come in. And, you know, somebody might see it and might know how it could benefit someone else if it's not themselves so anything like that is always a good thing to do so you hit the nail on the head right there uh, when you mentioned (laughs) that because uh for the past uh, few years or for a long while now we've been lucky enough to uh partner hope for horizons with uh buford Colleton, Hampton, and Jasper County Libraries. Okay. So in, do every month, every October, during uh, the month of October, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Okay. Uh, so we always um, do a project called the Clothesline Project where we have t-shirts that were made uh, from uh, survivors of domestic violence, um, both adults and children. Hmm. And these t-shirts have messages on them, right? Just uh-huh. awareness messages. And so every month during the whole month, uh, we go and we reach out to our local libraries uh, systems and um, we have been hanging up these t-shirts just to bring out awareness. And we have a fact sheet uh, that uh, is posted up next to these uh, clothes with next to these uh, t-shirts mm-hmm. um, and they are displayed throughout the libraries uh, in all of those counties and so the libraries have been very helpful uh, at partnering with us over the last few years and that's just really one tangible way uh, that you know uh, libraries can certainly partner with agencies like ours just to bring about awareness certainly the books is help it helps 
But, uh, you know, be doing things like the Clothesline Project has been very, very successful for us as well. Wonderful. Yeah, and just a reminder for any librarians listening, uh, February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Oh, so okay. So it's October and February. And okay. then Sexual Assault Awareness Month is in April. Yeah. So okay. So if y'all are planning your displays. There you go. February, <laughs> April, and October. Well, you know, librarians know how to do good research so they can yes. get yeah. all that information <laughs> yeah. right at their fingertips. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I do want to ask ask is specifically, uh, and we have a lot of teen and young adult librarians across the state, and they're, they're really well networked, um, uh, but what kind of advice would you give to a teen or young adult librarian if they either see a young adult in need or if they're approached by a young adult in need? Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is certainly, you know, believe and in, in, in listen, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, because in our field, you know, that's one of the biggest hurdles that we sometimes have to overcome. Mm -hmm. uh, so certainly believe uh, the person, listen to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you are a teen or young adult librarian, mm -hmm. um, certainly, you know, um, I'd say there should be resources and there should be, um, you know, ways for you to be able to reach out to local uh, agencies that's there to help. Mm -hmm. uh, so provide information, I would say, is probably, you know, also very key. Uh, but I would certainly say in the beginning, just to really believe and listen to the person, hear uh -huh. what the person has to say, uh -huh. uh, and then at that th at that point, you you can be a, a resource provider uh -huh. um, to to somebody who's probably seeking your help. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it's a, always a delicate issue. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if if this could be abuse at home or. Um, you just have no idea and you know probably as a librarian you might be able to tell some uh, a, there's a, a kid in need but not quite sure how to approach them or you know do you have to wait till they approach you you know mm -hmm. it's just a yeah. in each case is I'm sure going to be yeah. unique yeah and but you know I you know I try to I try personally to normalize you know having these kinds of conversations you're right it is delicate in our in our society for mm -hmm. some reason but if I liked your shirt, you know, I, I would come up to you and say, hey, man, that's a really nice shirt. Uh -huh. and that would be easy for me to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But if I feel like you're in need, right, yeah. and you need help, it should mm -hmm. be just as easy for me to say, hey, man, is everything OK? Yeah. Right? And that makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. so, I, I, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, by doing things like this and bringing out awareness, we can make the conversation mm -hmm. a little more comfortable, mm -hmm. right, to mm -hmm. have. Uh, so that um, when we experience things that yeah. we are able to just kind of step in and offer assistance and not feel like, oh, it's such a taboo topic and I'm not going to go there, you know? Right, exactly. Like, this is just something that we need to talk about. And the yeah. reason uh, that I think, um, you know, these issues still exist the way they do mm -hmm. is because we don't talk about it often. Right, yes. yeah, that's true. And I like that phrase, is everything okay? Yeah. You know, because that really kind of clears everything up, mm -hmm. that that it kind of opens the door to, you know, being able to talk about anything. Yeah. So um, so as we wrap up, one of the things I always like to talk about since this is Library Voices SC, do either of you have any personal or professional library stories you want to share? <laughs> <laughs> and it can be anything. <laughs> I, I still have my first library card. Oh, oh no wow. way. That's mom, really cool. My mom still has it. I was I think I was like four, uh -huh. and I still have it. And I mean, I majored in English because of how uh. I, I, la I lived at the library growing up. And oh, that's cool. <laughs> I got very involved in uh, human rights issues and everything mm -hmm. from being at the library because I would go up to the reference center and I would pull books on whatever topic I was learning in school and go more in depth. And mm -hmm. 
I just went from there. Yeah. <laughs> Started a hurricane no one was prepared for in my family. <laughs> That's great, though. That's what libraries are for. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. For me, man, you know, I don't know. I love my local library, which is why I became involved um, with the library system. Yeah, which is great that you're serving yeah. as a board yeah. member. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I spent uh, I spent a lot of time in our uh, local library. Uh, we In Buford, we have the Buford District Collection, which focuses on local history. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, myself, I'm... I'm a uh, amateur historian. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I literally have spent literally a whole day from like you know nine to like five once uh, in our Buford District collection, mm-hmm. just looking at old Buford County Buford mm-hmm. Gazette newspapers mm-hmm. and researching. Uh, we have a lot of good stuff uh, in our Buford District collection. So you know. Um, I, I don't know. I would say I'm a library rat sometimes. Um, if that, I don't know whether that's good or a bad story, but oh you know. no, I think it's good. I think most librarians would, you know, would yeah. think that's great that you like to spend that much time at the library because yeah. that's what is there for. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, my yeah. nickname at my old job was the librarian. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always had one of my books with me. That's cool. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, thank you both so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank for you so having much. Us. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.